Welcome to Biohackers live show. My name is Teemu Arena. We just had some technical issues if you were just listening for a while. Now it's all solved, including the sound. So today my guest is Dr. Oli Soviari. He is a preventive uh, medicine doctor, um, a registered licensed um, uh, physician, and also the co-author of the Biohackers Handbook, together with me and uh, Jaakko Halmettoja. And we're also presenting uh, the Biohackers Handbook first time in a in an event, um, the English book, specifically at the Biker Summit on 1st and 2nd of November in Helsinki, Finland. And today we're going to be diving deep into the topic of biohacking protocols, like how you can combine different biohacks throughout the day. And that includes different technologies, different techniques, different nutritional interventions, ways of thinking about work and recovery and so on. So this will be a very comprehensive episode. And we will be joined by one of our regular guests, uh, Seem Lund, also from Estonia, the uh, author, author of the Metabolic Autophagy, which is all about how you can build resilience from a mitochondrial and cellular level and uh, things that are related to anti-aging and longevity as well, but um, especially energy and how we can all have better energy levels throughout the day. So with that, uh, welcome to the show, show, Oli. How are you doing? Thank you. It's good good to be here because this is (laughs) our workplace and office. Yeah. But yeah, I'm looking really forward to the event, the Biker Summit, Mm. five-year celebration it's it's gonna be awesome. I I can already feel it. Yeah, it's coming together really well. We have more attendees coming at this point of organizing than ever before. It's a five year anniversary. The topic is uh, optimizing a whole day from the moment when you wake up to the moment when you go to sleep. Our first biker summit actually in two thousand and fourteen, which we had uh, that was actually in. A venue called Vanha Satala. Yeah. I don't know if you remember Recall. that one. Yeah, I, I totally do. Yeah, actually, yeah. I checked. Uh, the topic for that one was about upgrading your work day. Mm. So this is kind of coming back to the first first event. And together with Oli, we actually met uh, a year before uh, in 2013. Uh, I was coming to your office. I had some health issues uh, that I was struggling with, and uh, um, basically that was my avenue to biohacking. So when I started all of this, um, I was in a place, pretty dark place, which was all about, uh, you know, I was I thought I was living my dream. I was working on a startup. I had raised a lot of venture capital funding. Eating a lot of pizza. Pasta. Uh, not pizza, but yeah, some pasta. Wine. <laughs> yeah. Some well, I, I did eat a lot of nutrient dense foods, but I would say in a composition that was not good at that time. Yeah. Definitely high carb. And also I was yeah, I was I was um pretty much sleeping like four or five hours a night. I thought I was really living my dream as a entrepreneur. And what happened, it started to show up as 
some physical symptoms. And the one that that really dragged my energy levels down was uh, an ulcer. And it started with lingering pain when uh, my stomach was empty, and I thought it was just about just the reason was that I was hungry. But and when I ate something, the pain went away. Um, and slowly it started showing also right during when I was eating. And then I realized there's something wrong here. My energy levels went down. I went to a doctor's office and I got diagnosed for an ulcer. And that's that's basically where I got prescribed some medication. Those are proton pump inhibitors, and those are supposed to bring your stomach acid levels down so that the wound could be able to heal. And yeah, I took the medication. A nice effect of that was also that it took the pain away. Mm -hmm. So I continued working. After six weeks, the pain came back, and I went back to the doctor's office. And when I went back to the doctor's office, what I experienced um, was basically a new prescription for Mm. more medication. They changed the type, and um, I took some of that, and um, it didn't work as well as the previous one. Uh, I met with the doctor, and I, I got prescribed the same thing. And then I just went online and started researching because I was tired of of uh, al- already two months being on this. And if you calculate the time that I had been suffering of this, that was around mm. six months already at that point. And uh, I went online. I started researching PubMed. It's an online database of research papers. I started looking at the medication itself. And I realized very quickly that you're not supposed to take, yeah, hello. You're not supposed to take uh, these proton pump inhibitors for a long period of time. Those are supposed to be only temporary. So Usually uh, two weeks and six weeks is is about the maximum or four to six weeks. And yeah, the idea is is that you help to heal, but if you're not changing anything that's leading to the issue, so then it's going to come back, of course. At that point, we hadn't met yet. But as a doctor... uh, how like common are stress related symptoms super common <laughs> there have been uh, different estimations from like 60 to even 90% of all chronic diseases and and uh, especially like um, symptoms that are acute but also chronic so i would say it's it's underlying in in many many issues that needs to be tackled so the stress management it's always an integral part of of your healing and and uh, and the overall all, all template of what, what was all also included in your yeah template of how you can heal yourself from the ulcer right so yeah. you 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 actually did study integrative medicine at John Hopkins uh, was no that? no not <laughs> no uh, that's that's a mistake I studied integral theory integral in the theory. JFK University so. It wasn't straight related to the medicine, so it was more like meta theory and meta understanding of different realms, different aspects, different lineages of studies, and whether it's from developmental psychology to philosophy and and so on. So it's it was mainly helping me to realize different aspects and different like developmental lines and so on. So it's it was uh, mainly for me, but. Realizing that that there is also so-called integral medicine, it's not an official 
medical lineage, but it's taking uh, into account different uh, realms, different uh, philosophical, different scientific like move and mm-hmm. movements and um, categories. You are a big fan of Ken Wilber also. Yeah, I, I would say I was a bigger fan. Now I'm. It, it's just a philosopher among other philosophers, but he's been developing the theory, which I think is pretty comprehensive, and I haven't come across any similar one. So in that sense, I, I can say I'm a fan. Uh, I read... Er- his every book and of course did the studies with a former friend and a colleague also which was uh, it was fun times right yeah yeah so so that uh, opened up your eyes to different ways of perceiving evolution of consciousness and uh, what is kind of key also in terms of the ethos of biohacking is the connection of the body and the mind and and perhaps if you get more into metaphysical or esoteric realms we could also talk about the spirit now you were it, intrigued about these uh, philosophies and also integrating uh, some of these more holistic protocols and ways of th- seeing disease uh, into looking at yourself as a doctor and treatment of um, your patients yeah exactly that uh, eventually led me to so-called functional medicine that's uh, a different uh, aspect on on the human body and, and the processes of diseases and the name functional uh, is is related to the bodily functions of the human body whether it's it's physical or psychological so that was very interesting and and uh that was definitely a way of of studying and learning new things and it was very very natural and uh from there became uh, the concept of biohacking and i think it's it's uh it's a reflection or it's it's another side of the coin it's it's kind of similar but it's it's uh, even more into the preventive side mm. of health so it's it's not that taking care of of your sickness Right. Of course, that's that's important. But what we are missing is the preventive healthcare system, mm. a total system. I think biohacking is a good virtue in that. So it's it's a it's a good structure of creating this kind of system. Yeah. So we will get into the preventive aspect and why you made a transition from a reactive doctor to a to a, a more of a uh, preventive and predictive doctor. Now, we'll go now back actually to my story. So I got first-hand experience on the reactive healthcare system, which is about sick care. So when I got symptoms, I got a, um, basically symptoms of sickness. I went, I got uh, diagnosed, I got a prescription. And at that point, uh, I was on medication and the medication didn't seem to work. They were looking at changing the medication. And... Uh, at that point, I did what many people do when they have chronic health issues. I went online. I started researching. And what I discovered was maybe issues of using long-term these medications. And I went deeper into ulcers and inflammation and inflammatory diseases, gut issues, all of those. And I'm a big uh, uh, kind of... Uh, I'm very big uh, into looking at the root, the nuts and bolts of issues that I'm, I'm kind of getting involved with. So um, I didn't really trust uh, 
anyone on the internet or specialist or whatever people's opinions. But I went to PubMed, I started reading the research papers. And what I discovered about ulcers is that there is so many things that can actually help you mm. with an ulcer in the healing. One of them is actually to sleep more. <laughs> Surprise. Yeah. The other thing is uh, breathing techniques. So basically... Uh, that is related to the nervous system. So if you spend more time in a parasympathetic nervous system activated state, uh, rest and digest, that also helps uh, in healing and also alleviating some of the pain. So what I got myself into was uh, I got myself a heart math device. I started learning heart coherence breathing patterns and techniques. And I noticed that my pain uh, went away in... Uh, I noticed that my pain went away in the moments when I was getting into high coherence with a HeartMath device. Mm. So now I had actually pain as a leading signal um, that helped me with breathing techniques. And I'm very grateful for that experience because uh, I had an internal feedback system that told me when I'm getting into a space which uh, is actually helpful to my recovery. So that was the moment when the pain actually disappeared. Yeah, and I think that was one of the key elements that actually connected us because you had that device with you in mm. in my office, and um, I had already played with that. Yeah. So I, I've been using the heart heart math, the 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 one you put in the ear, and you had the EM wave too, and yes. that, that was something very interesting, like real biofeedback biofeedback training. Yeah. Uh, so basically, the story continues. Uh, what I did, I did massive amount of research into inflammatory disease. My hypothesis was that I had an imbalanced um, state in my body, which led to, uh, um, due to low-level inflammation, due to extended stress. Um, the body is a really effective healer. But because of the constant pressure, what was happening was that my body didn't have the resources to heal. So it was mm. out of balance. And and so I started looking at how can I bring the system back into balance? So uh, it, I had a few different approaches. One of them was to get the inflammation under management. So that was through sleeping more. That was through stress management techniques. Then I looked at nutrition. I looked at nutritional products that would lower inflammation, things like curcumin and ginger, uh, different medicinal herbs. I started looking at things that would be um, inflammatory foods that would increase inflammation, like uh, maybe some grain products, maybe soy products, maybe uh, certain uh, lectins or coitrogens. Bad oils. Bad oils. Basically, oxidized oils. I would say, like mostly the commercial food that's been that's right offered in many many restaurants in workplaces. They are highly inflammatory. Yeah. So I developed an anti-inflammatory diet based on the, all the research papers that I read. Uh, I didn't de- take any existing system, but I had uh, some very specific compounds there that I was maximizing the intake of, and one of them was all the good stuff that is in broccoli, for example. Uh, so, uh, I mean, years later, people like uh, Dr. Rhonda Patrick would speak to the health benefits of, uh, of of some great compounds that you find in crucifixious yeah. vegetables. 
and uh, but but I discovered that in those days as a treatment. So I was um, basically uh, steaming uh, massive amounts of broccoli, and I got also eggs back into my diet. So I was eating a lot of egg yolks. And just everything that I was eating, I also avoided frying them. So I would use sous vide, uh, vacuum-based cooking methods. I would use stews. And I, I got into more nutrient-dense foods and more color. And uh, so, so those were some of the nutritional things that I did. I, I also used some supplements uh, that have been shown to be very beneficial in a situation where you have an ulcer. Uh, so I had certain blends that I was using um, and uh, uh, there was things like uh, aloe vera, even yeah. Uh, yeah, many other things. Glutamine, yes, L-glutamine. I used. Yeah. I used. Um, um, I remember reading from Tim Ferriss. Uh, was it like nine grams or something like this, or six grams? Maybe six grams. Six grams of L-glutamine. Yeah, was, it was my daily. Yeah, dose. it depends. There was even like even twenty grams and even higher doses to some, but yeah, yeah. Really, so, yeah. so I got into these things, and uh, there was also um, different things that were related to uh, technology. Um, but when I went to my doctor, my 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 doctor at that time told me that, yeah, I mean these things, this research looks promising. So I had this huge pile of uh, uh, research papers. I had an executive summary on the top. I had done my genetic analysis also. Uh, that was in there. I had done also uh, different urine tests and blood tests. And uh, I had uh, quantified uh, things over time. And she said, yeah, looks looks great. But, you know, most people can't really change their behavior. That they, uh, they, they basically drop back into their existing behaviors. Mm-hmm. And uh, so... What technology became to me was was a feedback loop through which I was able to change my behavior. So when I implemented this protocol, after first researching it and also suffering of the ulcer for three months, um, I noticed after two months major improvements in my health and well-being. So the pain went away. At that point, I had already scheduled a time at your office because Mm. I, I had done my research and I noticed that this guy in Finland knows a lot about these more holistic healing protocols. So I, I want to meet you uh, and not someone who's going to prescribe me more medication. Mm. And uh, at the stage where you actually had time was like, I remember it was like maybe four or five months away from the time when I booked it. And uh, so I was already on my own protocol at that time. And after two months, the pain went away. After three months, I noticed uh, increased sense of awareness increased energy levels throughout the day. And when the summer came along, I also noticed that my allergy symptoms went away with, for, with, with pollen allergies. And I had this morning when I was supposed to meet you. And uh, I thought, you know, I'm a, already a healed person. I, there's nothing wrong about me. I should probably cancel this and not, you know, <laughs> use your expensive time. So even at that morning, I was like, hmm, I'm, I'm, I'm going to cancel this. Uh, but I... Then I kind of gathered my courage and decided I will go there. I will tell you what I did and see what you think about it. So I, I walk into your office and and I, th- I remember you maybe uh, I was your last patient or something. Yeah, like you this. were. And, and it, 
And, and lasted you, 90 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so I was supposed to be there 15 minutes. I come in. I remember you were sitting there and you ask, okay, how can I help you? It was a 30 minute time. But yeah. Yeah. 15, 15 30, whatever. And uh, uh, I say that there is nothing wrong about me, but listen, I want to tell you what I've done. And I had all the papers with me. I had some of the devices that I've used with me, including the hardmap device. And uh, um, I noticed that you were genuinely interested in, in, in what I was talking about. And at that point, you also started looking at some articles uh, for me. Uh, uh, from um, you, you printed out a few articles, and one of them mm. was some, uh, some writing from Ken Wilbur, actually. Mm. Uh, so we decided to meet later on, but uh, can you tell me like how often do you get like patients coming in completely fine and telling that you know there's nothing wrong about me? Yeah, I would say it like one in a thousand, maybe because there's been a few, maybe two or three, not not anything like this. But there are people who are very interested in their own health, and uh, since not getting enough help. For their needs, they've been doing the research themselves and then uh, representing those to me, and it's it's yeah. always a delight, but not nothing like uh, this this uh, this scale that you had. So you had the template and, and the matrix, kind of like a matrix. You had different realms and aspects, so it, it was it was very interesting, and I learned a lot also from there. So it's it's always good thing. So my when I took patients, uh, I was always in in this um, position of also being a learner and being being a receiver. And the patient, the patient is also a teacher. Yes, I remember there was one philosophical thing that you you shared, and it was basically that uh, as a doctor, you should heal yourself first before you heal your patient. Yeah. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, that was a major realization for me. Um, even before the integral studies, but also during the studies and uh, reading different uh, integral medicine texts and, and uh, uh, the, their view and, and the representation of medicine and and the healer, what is a healer? So if you cannot heal yourself, can you heal, heal others? So having the experience of healing yourself is, is crucial and understanding what needs to be healed and the different aspects of the human body and mind and the, the whole whole being. So mm. that was uh, very easy also leading into the Biohackers Handbook. And I had this uh, visualization and this uh, kind of a concept of wanting to create something like this, but I, I didn't know what it was, but the intention was, was there. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, basically what happened when we met with Olli, uh, in, in this very room we are right now, I invited 40 looked people. looked quite different. <laughs> it looked di- very different. Uh, this is my office that has trans- transitioned over the, over the years. And uh, there was 40, 40 people here in this office. And um, what we, uh, what I did, I shared uh, what I had done. And, and some of the people who were there actually went on and founded the Aura Ring uh, mm. business. Uh, one of one of the guys who is one of the programmers was there, for example. And uh, there was people who have worked on um, Ambronite, Four Sigmatic, I think, also. Yeah, a lot of yeah, a lot of, a lot of, brands. A lot of stuff. A lot of good people and yeah. who have been developing their own thing, which is great. 
Yeah. So it's kind of a think tank, kind of a, an incubator of of uh, curious minds and uh, like people who, who were into something and they wanted to yes. develop this further. Yeah, that was 2013 spring. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that summer we met together with our um, mutual friend, Jaakko Halmettoja, and you had uh, this intention of writing a book. I had the intention to package what... I, I had learned and done um, in a format uh, that others could be able to learn from. So I wrote, um, uh, I, I kind of led uh, the the writing of the first example yeah. chapter. The sleep. The, the sleep yeah. chapter in the biohackers, biohackers handbook. Um, so, so I wrote that as an example and we released that in 2014. I yeah, it was pretty soon. I, I remember that you put it together in in the last in the next fall of 2013 and it was it was uh yeah i was like okay this this looks good and uh from there on we uh, kind of developed a different a kind of different method so so the sleep chapter was more kind of a more bullet listed not not that much of a like a, how would you put it like more more telling so, but so the evolution of the book is is pretty interesting, and every chapter became more uh, more professional, in yes. my opinion. And then we came back and revised these older chapters, yeah. and that the sleep chapter is it's uh, pretty much uh, there's a lot of the core left, but it's it's revised uh, scientifically. And yes, absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. So you became kind of a lead lead. Um, writer in this and I was I was a lot on the editing side and doing and um, filling in the gaps and doing a little bit of research and maybe thinking about how can we put this into a format that uh, mm. um, you know what in a practical format so that mm. the research and studies would make sense from a practical perspective and also to be easy to understand because very easily get carried away with medicinal and medicine Basically, the academic gibberish and, and gibberish. <laughs> like verse long, yeah, yeah. So, so popularize what I call this, and you are probably too. It's it's a popularization of of science, yes, in a very usable way. Mm. So our goal that was and still is that there are no empty sentences, no fillings, no like nothing nothing like which is not beneficial for the people but also that it's not too packed so that you get tired with reading the book and there comes Lotta and, and the graphics designs and and the visualization the layout which i think is is, is amazing yeah yeah so if you're listening to this and uh you you don't have the book yet you can get it from biohackingbook.com uh, it's five years of work and over 1,500 references and hundreds of illustrations. And yeah, Lotta became kind of a key key component also in the in the process of turning this into something that communicates as much as possible possible with the least amount of ink. That's the way how I like exactly. To think about it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, okay, uh, I want to share this history because I think it's important that people know about it and uh, yeah we started organizing the biker summit 2014 um, I think that's where we first spoke about the sleep chapter also and we've been releasing mm. chapter by chapter in the different biker summits in in uh, in Helsinki and Stockholm and London and Tallinn and so on and um, now we have a five-year anniversary first and second of November 
And in that journey, we met a lot of people who are mm. into the same stuff as we are and even more experts in, in certain areas. So the community has really grown. The movement has grown. It's now um, something that also provides a living for a lot of coaches and and product companies and people yeah. like there's a whole industry that just we were just on time around the same around the right time um, putting this thing together. Um, I, I would use biohacking almost as a synonym for preventive health, preventive healthcare, and I can totally see that at some point the biohacking as a term might not be as relevant as is the prevention side. And the preventive healthcare um, as a system is just just rising. And that's why there's, there, there's so much uh, potential, so much uh, available jobs uh, and the, the whole area. I, I, w- I wouldn't want to say industry because it has a kind of a negative connotation, but it, it is an industry. But it's an industry that's never been existing before, uh, of course, in, in the Chinese medicine and, and these more traditional sides where, where the preventive side is, it's, it's, it's a natural part of it. Mm. So, but in the Western medicine and Western uh, world, there, there really hasn't been that prevalent. Yeah. I mean, there's side. all these different uh, folk medicine, uh, all, all these different folk medicine traditions and you could look at Ayurvedic, you could look at Chinese medicine, yeah. you could look at uh, the South American plant medicines, you can look at uh, the European also, very much plant, plant-based plant uh, uh, protocols, like in Germany, it's still like herbal medicine is a very big thing. And um, I, I th- these systems are still doing very well for communities who can't afford healthcare. So if you look at the Chinese medicine or Ayurvedic, mm. It really helps the people who can't afford to go to a Western doctor. And uh, so those are practiced still. And many of the things there are, have high eff- efficacy. So they yeah. do work. Like, uh, And the intention is to keep keep the, yeah. quote, patient healthy, yeah. especially in Chinese medicine. It's, it's a failure, kind of fail- failure if, you, if your doctor gets get you uh, away with sickness. <laughs> so Right. So yeah. they, they do things that would... Um, uh, prevent the same thing happening again in the future. Mm. So it would be about restoring the balance, yeah, uh, and uh, restoring the chi uh, in the patient, and um, bring back the, the 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 natural balance, the equilibrium. Uh, and while in Western medicine it has been about looking at symptoms, diagnosing symptoms. Uh, prescribing medicines and it's still valid it works mm. extremely well in so many cases and that's kind of one of the things that we really do promote in the work of the bikers handbook is that um i mean this is this is this is medicine uh mm. in in a very comprehensive way where uh we do recognize science as as one of the leading lights it's a key pillar in there extremely key pillar. So otherwise it's it's just uh yeah yeah, well, there's no. Yeah, the scientific realm is it's real. I I don't say it's be all end all. Definitely not. But it is as objective as it could can be. Um, <laughs> with that being said, there is bad science and of course good science, and it's it's always balancing. Yes. Between yeah. that. Yeah. And, and we did a lot of work to 
to make sure that the the quality of the the science in our book and the references would be of high quality. But at the same time, we did integrate ideas coming from uh, like Ken Wilber's work or yeah. integrative way of looking at um, uh, evolution as a human being. We we did uh, um, also involve. Ayurvedic medicines like ashwagandha and some of the literature reviews in there. Uh, we did uh, also include things from uh, Chinese medicine or holistic healing practices. Even Tai Chi is mentioned, yoga is mentioned, mm. breathing techniques, acupuncture. Uh, acupuncture. So, and now what is happening is that many of these things that have been used for thousands of years in folk medicine are becoming also. Um, uh, very well studied scientifically so that we can see that, yeah, some of these herbs that are uh, prescribed for managing stress uh, in times of difficulty, difficulty are actually they do uh, modulate the HPA axis or the mm. adrenal glands and yeah. uh, help with stress response or hormones. And uh, If I had known about these things, when I was building my own company, my own startup, if I was using instead of coffee and four four hours of sleep per night, if I had used adaptogenic herbs, uh, maximized my recovery throughout the day, perhaps even like that four or five hours of sleep wouldn't have been that damaging Mm. as it eventually became to be. Now, I also realized that behavior change is extremely important for biohacking. Like you can read about all these things. Like, I mean, many of us know that where you could start if you want to eat better or if you want to exercise, but actually doing the work, actually going into it and getting into a diet or getting through a exercise protocol that requires some behavior change. So, So talk about habits and, like changing behavior and I mean you've gone through a lot of like and I know you're kind of um, uh, you're extremely effective when it comes to if you decide that you do something you really yeah. carry through yeah it's a process it's it's uh you don't become a master like immediately and I would say that the easiest way is just to add things one by one at a time so you're not trying to do everything at once that's impossible integrate into your system and in, into your behavior so add like just add one thing and especially if you're removing like a harmful habit then you have to fill the gap you have to add one thing that's actually um, nourishing you and making you a better and a more more a healthy person and eventually building building yourself a new so you're dropping this uh part of you and this habit that's not functioning to your benefit and adding something and you're kind of stripping away mm. the bad things and, and building yourself anew. So you can actually build yourself cell by cell because in, in seven, after seven years there aren't really any, any more <laughs> old cells that have been, been in your old self. So we can all say that we are not the same person literally. After seven years also. Yeah, so you're letting go of the things that don't serve you anymore. And you are basically putting more effort in into including things that would, would basically help and serve what yeah. you want to achieve in life. And this, it really helps if you become uh, present and mindful and you develop your uh, the connection to your body. And I would call that embodiment. So you really embody the things that you do. So yes. for me, for example, it was 
basically realizing that not everything is is uh, anxiety <laughs> because i had i was working too much and everything felt kind of a, like a pressure and the only thing i knew was anxiety but there are different aspects of that emotion so becoming aware of your feelings or of the things that happen to your, your body so I became developing that back in 2006-7 and just uh, doing meditations for uh, integrating like a body scanning meditation and just, you know, being aware of my so-called inner body or, or the inner energy or whatever you want to call it inside of you. So without that, it's it's kind of uh, hard to change anything because if you're not at all embodied in your own system, Right. Okay. So, um, th- that's uh, if I if I go into my example, for example, um, your example, for example, yeah, for example, <laughs> I let's I, have an example. <laughs> I actually knew how I could eat more. I actually knew that I could sleep, you know, more mm. per night. I I knew that I could do breathing techniques, meditation, all that. I didn't do it. I just took some medication. I thought, like, mm. I can continue. That's until, the easy way. Until I, until I realized that there is no other way than actually taking responsibility. So I think um, many people in the health community who eventually wake up and they take their own health into their hands, they have to go through a crisis. Mm. Uh, it could be a personal strategy in terms of health. And uh, that basically challenges them in such a way that they have to really change behavior. Uh, can you tell about your own uh, similar experience a little bit? Yeah, um, there have been uh, quite a few experiences. So basically I've been very interested, for example, in nutrition for tens of years, even before um, even before actually graduating for, from high school. And I was interested in nutrition, but the knowledge back there was quite different and... Uh, I was in, into more like bodybuilding and, and just uh, eating a lot of protein and shakes and, and stuff. I also, actually I did use creatine back back in like 1997 or something like that without actually realizing that it's been helping me cognitively also. So that's, mm. a, well, that's a side story. Uh, well, um, the whole uh, period of being in medical school, it was, I was pushing myself, my calendar was from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to sleep, it was packed. Right. Every day, all the time. And I was working from the first year of medical school. Uh, I was doing DJ gigs already and doing like everything too much. And of course, not sleeping enough and having social jet lag all the time, hangovers and so on. So I keep on doing that kind of pace about 10 years until came the point of a near near breakdown it wasn't i haven't had this like total breakdown that i, I couldn't do any I've, I've always been kind of like a functional because i had the state of mind that i i've beep <laughs> fucking do it yeah. but it was uh on the verge of, of, of being right. burned out and the recovery has been taken many i mean years. i mean going through medical school is not going to be easy so i i guess there's a lot of other People who study medicine and become doctors, and they they totally burn themselves out. Yeah, that's typical. Actually, doctors are the more, the most stressed uh, group of uh, occupation there is, and also in Finland, especially in the U.S., but also in Finland, and uh, the amount of stress that you have to carry is 
it's pretty enormous. Randomness, yeah. Uh, okay, uh, I want to bring in a young gentleman. I don't know if he's had his own tra- 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 tragedy. Yeah. Tragedy. tragedy. So Seamland, <laughs> uh, he's our Estonian biohacking friend, part of our team. So Tere ommikust. Tere ommikust, Seamlandikus. <laughs> Kuidas kas kaup? <laughs> okay, we, we're going to stop our <laughs> yeah. imitation of Estonian That was language. actually real Estonian language, right? Yeah. How are you doing, man? I'm uh, really enjoying a nice summer day here in Estonia. So uh, what's up? <laughs> yeah, all good. So... um you have been very much into biohacking and uh, uh, done a lot of research and and optimized yourself for sure. Like, did that come out of nowhere? Like, just you know, you were born like this, like a freaking biohacking child. Before you were speaking, you were already doing these biohacks, or was was you there? You had some... aura ring in the womb. <laughs> yeah, you had an aura ring in your finger when you were born. Um, so, or did you personally experience something in your life that actually made you uh, method- methodologically and also unforgivingly start researching like how to get to <laughs> optimal health? Or like, hmm. is this a lifestyle thing for you? Or is this like something that you learned through a hard experience? Uh, well, Definitely, I didn't have like any illness or uh, serious condition back in my day. So uh, I've, I've I've never been like sick or obese. So I've just, but I've, at the same time, I've never been like at peak performance either in my childhood. So I was somewhat mediocre in in terms of health. <laughs> but uh, during my high school years, I just started to uh, get interested in lifting weights, nutrition and the bodybuilding, et cetera, that kind of stuff. So uh, it kind of grew out of that and evolved into trying to pay more attention to uh, my health and longevity at the same time. So um, like in, in my family family history, I don't have any serious conditions either, but there are a few instances of some people just dying prematurely. So I just didn't want to kind of go through a similar situation myself where I would uh, put my family into like a really difficult situation of of uh, you know uh, passing away sooner, etc. Mm. But at the same time, I, when I was in uh, after after my high school, I also I uh, went to the military where uh, I got exposed to let's say a lot of sleep deprivation and uh, physical mm. stress and so on. So at that point, I was um, kind of thrilled about that kind of stuff <laughs> because uh, it's it's kind of it's like very difficult, but at the same at the same time, it's very challenging and it's fun. So uh, I was very curious about human adaptation and uh, how do humans can endure different like physical stressors and mental stressors and uh, how does it affect uh, everything starting with performance and, uh, and that's, that sort of stuff. So uh, I've just combined all that kind of experience and knowledge to forward into uh, using my, or building my own uh, personal brand with this and uh, becoming like a biohacking guy who is doing it this uh, as a living yeah, yeah, you're the prodigy of biohacking, and uh, yeah, you're speaking about, you know, uh, your 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 top expertise at the Biker Summit. Also, now um, you went through a military experience, uh, which really pushes the human body and its boundaries. I also went through a similar experience myself. In same uh, any, uh, you know, people listening to this, you have to understand that if you're neighbored by Russia, like Estonia and <laughs> Finland are. Uh, 
you are basically in most of these countries it's mandatory to go to military service it's not a voluntary thing you just have to go or you go to jail or you go or to civil, civil service, service or you go to civil service or you just run away um there there is you know um in in many of these countries there there is still uh, an active service uh that most of a certain class and age need to go through and um yeah it does really expose yourself to uh, some some serious sleep deprivation and stress and all that and bad food yeah and like, that yeah. actually for me that experience I went quite late uh, because of my business and when I did I was already like close to thirty almost and um, well twenty six and seven and um, uh, after that I founded the startup companies and that's when I got my Walser so it it became in a sequence of years when I had already pushed myself quite a lot first in military and then in business and and then then I got got some physical burnout out of it now the military at the same time is a source of a lot of research into optimal human performance and um, you know if you take some of the most popular uh, nootropics like modafinil I mean modafinil has been studied definitely by the military for use mm-hmm. instead of amphetamines for staying mm. awake for long periods of time and that that's what it's kind of used for is shift work and and people who need to do service like that. Now I'm not advocating using modafinil because it also increases your heart rate uh by default and uh, using stimulants over time, especially every day, is not a good idea. I don't recommend that. Yeah, it will definitely ruin your nervous system, autonomic nervous system balance. and all that. Yeah. yeah. So there's a balance to things. And um, Navy SEALs is a big thing also in biohacking community, all the interviews with Navy SEALs, how when you do something, you really have to learn things like meditation, breathing techniques, and so on. Also, if you want to avoid like... Uh, yeah, like post-traumatic stress disorders and stuff like this, like uh, being constantly exposed to dangerous situations and external stimuli. So I think that's the situation also at the workplace nowadays. People are actually in a constant war, <laughs> basically mm. emails coming in. There is a constant interruptions of what you're doing. Uh, there is uh, constant worry and threats. And For example, in a Californian office, it's, it's, yeah. it's on average three minutes. In every three minutes, you get disrupted the workflow. So you can think, can you actually get into the flow or not in three minutes and then interruption. Yeah. So that's... No, no, so what I know that Seamland is also a master of productivity. Like, uh, I remember I was with you here in Finland and uh, I was re- enjoying myself, you know, a sauna and some nature walks and all that. And you were just like, I, I just need to, you know, do this routine this morning, uh, write this that you always always go through. Okay, uh, maybe there's. Okay, now it works again. So I was I was always going through uh, some. Um, uh, okay, let's go back. So I was in the cottage, and this guy is over there, and and he just sticks to his schedule. So, can you speak a little bit about that? Like, uh, why don't you seem allow yourself a little bit of like just hanging around and not to worry too much and you know about <laughs> getting your articles in or emails or podcasts or whatnot? Like, what's going on, man? Are, are you too young? You haven't learned like to just relax and have a slow life. Well, I like to think of that that um, 
if I work hard, then I'll also like play hard <laughs> in a sense that uh, I do uh, implement these daily routines just as a way to um, make sure that I accomplish certain tasks for the day. And uh, those tasks, they're just used for uh, keeping my routines alive and also like using, you know, the habits, enforcing the habits, so to say, because I do believe that... Uh, uh, all, the, all those habits that, you know, as you do one thing, then you're going to do everything uh, the same way. So they do carry over. So, and if you maybe, you know, skip a few commitments you make to yourself, then eventually you're going to skip everything, every, every other commitment you try to make as well. So it's going to be much more difficult. So I, I just, uh, first of all, I just enjoy the things that I do and I don't feel that I need to take a break or I don't feel to take like a vacation. So, uh, that's what I would do like uh, by default. Uh, right. but, at the same, but at the same time, I even if I do like work with you know every day on something and uh, you know be somewhat productive, then I'll still have a sufficient amount of time every day for you know downtime and relaxation. So usually, like in my at home, when I'm at home, then uh, I'll you know be productive of the first half of the day. And, uh, you know, in the afternoon after, after, you know, I've done everything that I need to do, then I'll always like just chillax and uh, relax myself. So I, I'm, I don't, I'm not the kind of guy who works late into the night or uh, works uh, after dinner, etc. So I always, uh, I not always, like uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm that guy. I'm, I relax all day long and then I work all night. So, um, Sim, do you make your bed in the morning? Uh yeah yeah I do like I don't a, have a, a bed. <laughs> <laughs> I wake up uh, in the in the forest. <laughs> Sleep on a spike. Man. I don't remember what happened. Yeah. Naked. Yeah. But you do. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Interrupt. Yeah, yeah I, I I usually do. Yeah, like it's a first first win for the day. Like there's this Navy SEAL commander who who said that if you want to if you want to change the world then start start by making your own bed. So mm. it's it's a, it's a good practice. For just you know ticking the first uh, box, for ticking the first thing off the list and uh, kind of getting into the momentum because uh, that's gonna just condition your brain to okay I did this thing now I'm gonna do the other thing etc cetera, etc cetera. so yeah after all, after an hour or so you're gonna be in the flow and you 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 don't let like procrastination to start you know start kicking in because imagine if you were to like procrastinate on making your own bed then uh, you're gonna just start to procrastinate on everything else as well. Yeah, I started actually thinking about this when I was I was recently on a road trip in France and Italy, and people there and Spain also people have siesta, and uh, after eating, you know, they take a little bit of a break and relax, and maybe that's because of all the carbohydrates and the sugar spikes, mm-hmm. but uh, definitely like getting a power nap in the middle of the day uh, gives you almost like another work day, and <laughs> and and I always think about these patterns and. That's kind of getting into into biohacking and routines and all that. Like to me, it doesn't seem very healthy to do like a eight to four, but but something like where you really kick the hardest things in the morning. Then you have lunch. Maybe you go for a walk. You think about some creative things and so on. Maybe take a nap and then you continue for another day, and and then you have dinner and uh, take a nap and work all night. Mm-hmm. No, actually, then you go to sleep. Yeah. But mm-hmm. but basically, like. Maybe these kind of routines that have been developed by different cultures over time are maybe even more healthy than the typical eight to four or five office hours. Mm. 
Yeah, I do totally agree that the naps are really effective and really healthy. So I, I'm not sure like the exact numbers, but I saw that in some, in one study in Greece, they saw that the people who are taking a siesta, their like life expectancy was higher by maybe 13% or something, some, something along the lines of that. I may be wrong, but yeah, essentially the naps are almost like a way of um, helping the body to deal with the stress that you accumulated in the first half of the day and then being able to fall asleep at night better as well because you don't have to like deal with that that um, that bigger amount of stress and uh, yeah like it's almost like a recharge for both the body and uh, and the brain yeah uh Oli, uh you are uh someone who has been really thinking through about your routines and developing different protocols so if we get into biking protocols there's actually a few really extensive articles one of them is the how to get more deep sleep guide it's kind of yeah. all the things that you can do throughout the day so that you get more sleep and then there is um, a recent guide also on stacking different biohacks together and uh, can you can you tell about some of the weir- weirdest and craziest and maybe unconventional ones um kind of how do you combine things and maybe even conventional ones like um how do you get all the biohacks into your day that really optimize your recovery sleep and mm. uh, performance well if you think about uh, what i did do and what i used to do was just working too much and too many hours per day so um i've actually cut the, the working hours i don't i would say by half or even even the third but i'm so effective that i get so much done in a shorter period of time that I have so much time for everything else, even family and relaxation, sleeping eight and a half hours and, and so on. But um, I like routines and they keep me focused. They give structure to the day and uh, seem say they, they are the first tasks that you commit yourself to and what, what you do. Um, I don't know about crazy biohacks, but for example, today, um, I've given myself kind of a rule because I used to be a, like a snoozer back in the day, especially when having like sleep, sleep deprivation. But I've ruled that uh, if possible, I don't use an alarm clock. And usually it is quite possible. And when I wake up, um, I have 30 seconds to get up from the bed. And I don't want to at first use anything, any tech or and, something. And if you don't, what what happens? You get an electric shock? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing happens, but it, it's just uh, I've noticed that if I just uh, okay, I just lay lay on in the bed and I uh, know there is no hurry and yeah. uh, let's let's see my phone. But it, it's not a good start. Of course, I I don't want to be yeah. like rushing my day that I have a, like a stress reaction, but. It's kind of what Sim yeah. said about making your bed. So yeah. basically, if you start snoozing. Um, that carries over to everything you do. You yeah, kind of does, keep on yeah. pushing things forward and not really getting into the heart. Yeah. Right? Usually snoozing is about sleep deprivation that's been chronic right. for a long time. That And then you have to just fix that, that you sleep enough and, and yeah. so that you feel refreshed. Yeah, you don't need a snooze if you wake up without, yeah. without an alarm clock. Now, okay, so so that's one thing that you, you kind of get right into what uh, and you make sure you recover enough. Well, I, what, I, what I do is that I immediately hydrate myself. Then I go to wipe pressing plate just to get like immediate movement for about like three minutes. Yeah, that's uh, easily equivalent to like a twenty minutes normal walk. Then I go outside. Uh, for example, today there was there was some, some I go barefoot, ground myself, 
just uh, sunshine, be like sunshine. half naked and getting the sunshine yeah. into my body. Right. <laughs> Some, <laughs> there's a really, really funny story because uh, um, I've been jumping on a tra- mini trampoline, not fully naked. At, at points, yeah, a few <laughs> times, yeah, uh, but usually I have like a short or something on. But uh, one one <laughs> one time, my neighbor said, "Oh, you have, you have uh, like a trampoline there," and was like, "Even like, shit, it did, it did <laughs> me jumping like." But then again, Jaco Hamatoja has been doing this uh, for years in, yeah. in his apartment. Yeah, our, our co-author Jaco Hamatoja, <laughs> he's been a pioneer. He did all of these things like yeah. already like five years before we even got into this. Yeah. He was into grounding. He did trampolines. He did the medicinal yeah. mushrooms, and that was like in the freaking uh, early 2000s uh, when he was into really into these things. Yeah, nowadays, I would say like 2006, Yeah, nowadays he's very much into minimalism. Also, like he's, mm. he has very little like stuff, and now he's way more into nature. So, yeah. So actually, he's right now probably fishing somewhere. And the funny thing about Jaco is that gone fishing. He's actually <laughs> allergic to fish. But yeah, he's, that's he's fishing all the time. So super funny. Yeah, I've been yeah. laughing that also. Yeah, maybe see him. You need to start fishing or something like do some 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 activity which is completely pointless. Maybe you're allergic to I don't know gluten, and then you just you know grow start, grow start growing crops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, start a start a bakery. Yeah, you, you need a bakery for sure, like some croissants. <laughs> seems bakery. Seems. seems Famous, famous pizza place. Double the gluten. <laughs> Double yeah. toast. The only Double pizzeria toast. run by a ketogenic <laughs> chef. Uh, the yeah. jokes are bad. So, um, okay. yeah, there's a few questions on the chat. By the way, if you have any questions, um, you can ask on uh, the biohacking book Instagram feed. We, I'm actually looking at, there's something going on. Amazing. Thank you for the knowledge from Danny. Hello, Danny. Awesome. Hello. So, um, there is uh, Tiffany Ballo is saying the Biker's Handbook is a fantastic resource and guide to optimize well-being. It's really helping me to change my lifestyle after a cancer diagnosis. Thank you. Damn. That's good I luck hope, to you. I hope it really helps you. Uh, there, people have a lot of like chronic health issues and they struggle. I mean, I got my ulcer and and you know people people went through these things and um, I've also learned that. Somehow at the point where you decide that you don't anymore take the role of the patient, you don't take anymore the role of the sick person, mm. but you actually want to really get well, I think many people kind of get in, tangled into their diagnosis. It's about identification. That I'm, that I'm depressed. I am this, I am that, I have this, I have this disease. So it's part of your identity. Yeah. Even people don't actually think about it. But this is a discussion I, I had with many patients that uh, you might want to re- reconsider your thinking and your words. So I have a, like a cardiovascular disease, I have rheumatic arthritis, I have this, I have that. And and yeah. then and then you become you become disease. that diseased person but you can change your language okay my body is, ex- is experiencing this yeah disease and so so by changing the language you're actually changing if you embody the disease or if it's just a phenomenon that's transient yeah i think it's key to actually you know make the decision that you know i'm the person who's going to get well i'm the person who's going to heal and it goes really deep into uh, changing your identity. Now, Nusebo, I guess, is kind of what's going on here. Yeah. You're kind of creating the disease also and amplifying it. 
Um, yeah, Martin Kramer is actually asking, uh, what are you doing to stimulate medical community on biohacking? Are you considering doing a course or training for doctors and healthcare professionals? I mean, both you and me, we do uh, give presentations uh, both in a wellness community uh, as well as professional medical community. So there is a growing interest definitely to biohacking when it comes to doctors and yeah. establishment. And we made sure also in Finland that uh, the biohacking is part of the discussion. It's part of the political agendas in in pushing preventive healthcare forward. And biohacking is kind of synonymous to self-quantification, patient-centric um, approaches to medicine. And uh, the fact that patients are becoming active participants in creating their own health now, um, I had a call actually yesterday uh, with a U.S.-based um, doctor who trains uh, people who want to get into these holistic healing protocols without practicing with a license. So those would be nutritional advisors, life coaches, health coaches. So there's a growing interest in you know dealing with things like sleep issues, hormonal issues, uh, productivity issues, all these different modalities um, uh, in in coaches who used to only coach on a specific thing. Like maybe you're a personal trainer at the gym. Now you're not just training how to uh, lift a lot of weights, but also like how you can recover faster so you can lift more mm. tomorrow. Or you are a top management uh, consultant and it's not, not just like, you know, coaching your customers how to run your business, but also like how you run yourself to become a more resilient, more, mm. more, more of the person who you, who you see yourself, you know, becoming. And um, one, one moment I, I want to add on there uh, here, because you have mentioned personal trainers and, and so on was, is, is the movement of CrossFit. It's, it's mm. just uh, what I, I've been thinking about it more deeply. I used to do that and still do occasionally. And it, it was a, uh, really huge part of the transformation in in the body inter- integrity and uh, how the body functions and, and the, all the movements and embodiments and the realization uh, and what i've been following it's 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 become a global trend and it's it's helping so many people well especially in the us a lot of very uh, ill very very unhealthy really fat people going to that and they take the course and they really uh, go into the community and it's it's the power of the community. So I see that uh, really positive trend uh, into preventive healthcare as well. So it's it's just uh, one aspect of that and it, it has so much positive in it. And there are a lot of different types of movements that are really, really um, a side of the same coin in the sense of the preventive uh, health. Right. Oh, someone from Chicago tries to call me. I'm Chicago. Probably not going to answer this. Maybe it's someone who tries to call in. Yeah, we need to actually get this kind of uh, audience calls into our show in the future. I think that's something we should Hello, do. this is John McCain. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, this is Batman. <laughs> I see you. Who? Uh, okay, so uh, if there's any questions on the chat, like maybe on... Um, Instagram Live, like we can we can answer with Oli. Like I'm here with sure. medical doctor Oli Soviarvi and and Seamland. You know now is your opportunity if you have any questions. Like shoot. Um, so anyway, uh, back to 
all your kind of uh, daily crazy routines like mm. you know give us something you know that people haven't heard you know people haven't heard uh yeah. depends of course <laughs> of the person Not just the regular stuff going on a trampoline yeah. and getting sunshine like what what is the crazy stuff you do, do like do you do some coffee enemas or no, <laughs> no? okay <laughs> i'm not ben greenfield although i love the guy <laughs> Just amazing Superman, but um, coffee enemas every day. Yeah. Like. Well, after after the sunshine and uh, the nature connection, uh, I used the Bulite International eight one zero therapy device just to get um, more blood flow to the brain, and it's actually it's it's better than coffee. Right. Uh, but I I want to have a little sweat every day uh, every morning. So what I've been using is it's the infrared sauna. I've been using it like six years. I yeah. would say every morning, hmm. like uh, when I've been at home. So I get the sweat on and I finish it with cold shower. This is, of course, basics that people at least have heard of, but how many actually go into the infrared sauna. So that's uh, I, I want to get the blood flow. I want to get the sweating and, and, and the um, purification. So... This is also a sense of constant detoxification, so helping to get, give, uh, keep your body lean right. and clean. And uh, there comes also seams, um, intermittent fasting and the autophagy and, and all these kind of things. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a crucial part of my everyday routines. Yeah. Seam, uh, about the intermittent fasting and, and uh, practicing uh, ketosis or whatever like throughout the day, um, Uh, what are the kind of like um, uh, lessons learned of, uh, I mean, you, you've done a bunch of experimentation. Like h- how do you do things like intermittent fasting? Do you do that like once a week? Do you do it every day? Uh, like do you do it with coffee or just like... Uh, Enemal fasting. <laughs> uh, yeah, with coffee enemas. Yeah. Uh, how, how's your protocol? Well, uh, for me, I tend to uh, uh, like for the for the past uh, few years, I've just uh, eaten once a day, primarily, like within a few hours. So uh, for me, it's somewhat simple and uh, very convenient. And uh, during the day, I just drink a little bit of water, some you know sea salt in there, uh, maybe some some apple cider vinegar and uh, black coffee and some teas. So that's kind of during the fast state. I don't consume any like real calories. And uh, in the evening or like after my workout, I tend to, you know, break the fast, eat some good protein and uh, some healthy fats, etc., and some vegetables. So uh, that that's kind of been my routine. But I think that uh, not not everyone needs to do like one meal a day, and it's definitely not like optimal for every situation. So usually, like the general uh, rule of thumb, I think everyone should stick to is the daily 16 and 8 type of fasting, where you're Uh, fasting for 16 hours and eating eating within eight hours. So uh, for most people, I don't see like a reason to be eating any more than twice a day, and uh, they would benefit much much from the aspect of restricting uh, their eating window. And that's that's also reason like it's, it coincides a lot with the circadian rhythms as well. So a, ro- a lot of research shows that just the act of confining your eating window that has like a unique metabolic effect that you don't get from regular eating because it activates certain uh, certain uh, nutrition factors as well as uh, longevity longevity genes in the body that you don't that you don't really experience when you're eating constantly so yeah, yeah. i think fasting is uh, very useful for uh, even uh, you know any any kind of pursuit uh, such as like fat loss and uh, just general well-being 
But at the same time, if it, if it becomes like an additional stressor for the body, then the person just has to kind of learn how to manage or to deal with it a little bit, a little bit better because it's never that, that, that fasting itself is causing the problems. It's almost like the accumulation of all those stressors. Like you're, you're fasting, you're not eating, your body isn't that used to it. And therefore you also start to maybe drink a little bit more coffee. You start to get more anxious. You uh, experience just more mental turmoil and uh, physical stress. So uh, as you would get used to it more than, or as your body would become more keto adapted, then uh, the, the fasting itself will also become uh, much easier and uh, less stressful. So yeah, yeah, it's always it's always a matter of like how do all these different lifestyle factors uh, transition over to your body, uh, and because it's never like one specific thing that is causing the issues. Like you can say this, it's. I, I just I remember like hearing from um, Mike Mutzel recently that he said that. If, uh, if, 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 you know, if the reason that fasting is going to increase stress is the reason that you should avoid it, then you should also avoid exercise because it's going to raise your blood, it's, it's going to raise your blood pressure and make you sweat and so on. So, you know, it's a positive stress in some sense, and you just have to learn how to, um, incorporate it in the right dose and at the right time. Yeah. yeah. I just Becoming, incorporate yeah. some rage in my day by not eating. <laughs> <laughs> that was a fun study. Yeah, but, uh, y- you know, just uh, become the master of your own self. That's that's uh, that's the sentence I've been repeating over and over again. And people, th- when they realize it, they, it gives a lot of, like, freedom to their habits and also that you don't have to be, like, super strict. So I also do, I like the eating the one, one big meal a day, but occasionally if i feel like it i'm i'm drained for example today i had a like a heavy heavy workout yesterday and and some activity also this morning and and uh, t- today and uh you know before the show i was feeling a kind of aches in my body and just you know a, a bit lower in the energy so i decided okay now i want to eat and it immediately made me feel better and i get in some nutrients and amino acids and, and so on so you you don't need to be like super strict but what sim said i i still can do the 16 and 8 because the eight hours is actually pretty long time for 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 an eating window yeah and it gives you a lot of freedom how about uh i mean i i also like to eat like one meal per day uh especially in the evening because i de- really value like the work time uh, the active time that I can get into mm. my day, and if yeah. my stomach is full of food and the, all the blood is there, I'm not really thinking straight. Now, are you guys worried about then, you know, undigested food, like eating too late, or s- things like time restricted eating that you shouldn't eat, like um, after sunset, uh, the metabolic effects of that? So, so uh, what's your take on that? Well, uh, <laughs> I can say. It might work if you're living in the latitude that's that's having a, a same same pattern every day a year round. But for example, if you think about Finland yeah. in it's, the winter it's seven, time, seven p.m. Like, can you see like it's freaking sunshine outside? Yeah, and in the in the winter time it's super dark. So if you quit eating, like when the sun sets down and and it's it's about three o'clock in the afternoon. And <laughs> you would eat a lot like during the day, so um, that that it, it becomes quite like hard. So all these kind of rules are meant to be broken, but you have to find what's actually working for you. So in a sense, it, it there's uh, 
Sims been like speaking about this a lot, but uh, if you eat like heavily and the one meal just before you go to sleep, it's it's guaranteed that your heart rate it's gonna be elevated for yeah. hours, hours, and the process of digesting the food. So, in that sense, you, you might want to time like the eating, like let's say four hours before you go to sleep, and you're still very mm. satisfied and not hungry. And and uh, you know, some people they like to eat something just before going to, into sleep. So, for example, I'm I'm kind of uh, those those guys, and I like my two kiwis and maybe like a piece of dark chocolate or or like a spoonful of honey or all of these combined and it makes so much different in the sleep quality and also the calmness i yeah. feel yeah you can read about the kiwis and the benefits of that for deep sleep in the yeah. deep sleep quality. that's the kiwi thing is pretty interesting because many have been like like picking that up from the deep sleep article and uh, from different podcasts and that's new and it actually works, and then all all the people who like do it, and they're like, "Oh, oh my God, this is actually really helping the sleep." And this, yeah. yeah. How about how about what do you think? Seem like about this? Do you like kiwi? Do you like uh, <laughs> well, eating late think... and being constipated all night? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, then you can do like an in the morning or something. <laughs> Coffee. But uh, basically, I think it depends a lot on uh, how many calories you're eating and what type of food you're eating as well. So the different foods take different times to digest mm. and they're also going to have like a different response when it comes to sleep quality and uh, the day afterwards. So uh, in general, like, yeah, it would be better to have at least like a few hours uh, before going to bed where you stop eating. And uh, that's that's usually what I do as well. I, I usually stop eating like uh, three to four hours before going to bed. And that's going to be, you know, plenty of time for me to digest that that one meal a day that is, you know, somewhat high in calories, etc. But for instance, yeah, like if someone is uh, eating more frequently, they're maybe breaking their fast at noon and then they're having uh, like dinner slightly later, then there, it's not going to be like a huge issue because the meal itself would be lower and lower in volume and lower in calories etc so mm. uh, yeah like a, like a bedtime snack isn't inherently going to cause any issues uh yeah and it can even promote like a deep sleep if it's you know comprised of certain nutrients like for instance you know um carbohydrates in general can be used to promote serotonin yeah. and fall asleep and just like a little bit of protein can also reduce the time you wake up during the night and giving like the brain some uh, sufficient energy. So yeah, it's a, it's a matter of context. And if they've also done some studies uh, where they compare this, uh, this time restricted eating patterns where one group is uh, eating breakfast and lunch and the other group is eating like lunch and dinner. And there isn't like no, there's no difference in terms of like metabolic health and other outcomes. Exactly. So I think, I think that the biggest magic comes from just the suppression of the time frame where you're doing some form of fasting and you're not eating all the time. And that's, that's where a lot of the metabolic benefits of time restricted eating come from. And uh, usually uh, the main idea will, or optimally it would be better to you know, have a few hours before going to bed where you stop eating. But uh, it's not like a huge difference when it comes to like eating breakfast versus eating dinner. Mm, yeah, so... What a relief. <laughs> we, we have been uh, cheated on with all the information... You on, must on, eat breakfast. On the fact that you need snacking all the time. Uh, Rigmor Kwanström uh, is asking, how do you change uh, the situation when you are waking up during the night uh, often? So I guess he's having like issues 
with his uh, he's tried mm. many things. He thinks it might be cortisol. Yeah, uh, I can he, go on with that. Yeah, but, but yeah. you can read the question. Yeah, if it's so, so the question basically is that: How do you change if you are waking up at night? And yeah, he has the data from Aura Arena yeah. also to back it up yeah. that he has so nightly wake ups. So I was I was like that. You were also peeing in your bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Well, um, I woke up like multiple times per day. If, uh, if I had that, uh, like. And in addition, I just slept too little and wake up. So the sleep quality was horrible or horrible. Um, th- this is a deep issue, so it has to be tackled with uh, all the major um, events and major things that are happening in your life. And usually, I would say like in ninety-nine percent in these kind of cases, the people is chronically stressed. So addressing the the um, sources of the stress is highly critical, and then also um, just teaching your nervous system, the autonomic nervous system, to go into the parasympathetic rest and digest mode by different kind of hacks, breathing exercises, cold, hot alterations, and just like unwinding and just unwinding yourself and teaching yourself to just become and activate the parasympathetic nervous system. Usually it has to do also with uh, blood sugar regulation issues, which go hand in hand with the chronic stress. So by activating your fat metabolism and going to ketosis for a while and just, you know, improving your uh, mitochondrial health, so you're not waking up like after two hours uh, when your blood sugar drops and you have to push up like adrenal adrenaline and cortisol to just to get it up and it wakes you up so blood sugar regulation is is uh, key in this this sense also like unprocessed uh, thoughts and and if your mind is racing just before you go to sleep you just might wake up for for a thought or just super weird dreams yeah the um, deep sleep optimization article will definitely help in this sense certainly there is actually a question from dr lisa thomas do you think we should be using meditation in mainstream medicine? What do you think? Yeah, that's a no-brainer, of course. And it, it's it's going there uh, by the form of mindfulness because it's so well-researched. There are so many, like thousands of studies in, in mindfulness meditation-based techniques. And uh, it's, already, it, it's already kind of there. And it's being teached to children in, in different schools, and uh, I'm sure it's it's going to be in a curriculum of, of uh, like medicine, and in different other fields. Uh, it's it's definitely going there. Yeah, uh, certainly. I mean the the studies that really back it up that it has benefits in so many different illnesses, and often it's, I mean, if you're if you are in a sympathetic nervous system overactivated state. Um, it doesn't preserve you over time. It it helps you in short term with survival, running away from the lion, so to say, but uh, it, with a compromise of long term health. So yeah. in the end, it's about balance, and people are completely unbalanced by modern society and the constant bombardment of messages and the constant constant flow of information and interruptions and. I mean, we have to become conscious about not just about doing things like meditation, but how to really manage the signal load from our environment, yeah. television, overall stimulation. Yeah, overstimulation from mobile devices, not just not just like uh, information streams, but also like just um, 
noises. Mm-hmm. Um, well, every, everything is basically that's being recognized by your nervous system. Yeah. Because it might be a threat. Exactly. So it's it's evolutionary wired. Uh, all the noises and and uh, like things in in the, the periphery of your visual field, and it's it's um, we are basically wired to uh, for the danger. So if you're a con- constant like uh, observing your surroundings for a possible danger, you're you're in the mode of definitely not getting enough rest and relaxation. That's for sure. Yeah, I th- I think we we guys we need to get some rest and. Uh, relaxation soon yeah. and, and get out of this sure. uh, podcast. <laughs> uh, so, Seem, um, like, what is what is your kind of uh, sleep hack in the evening? If you have like interruptions and and uh, raising thoughts, like, do you have like some special uh, techniques you do in the evening, maybe tonight, other than uh, jerking off? Sorry. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, well, I would say. <laughs> I would say that I don't really get uh, like anxious thoughts in the evening or something. I don't ha- I, I don't need like a ton of uh, let's say time to wind down in order to fall asleep. So usually my aura ring score also tells me that I fall asleep like within a few minutes. And uh, maybe part of the reason has to do whether that I just do, during a day I'll you know be more physically active and work out etc. All those things they just build up build up sleep drive mm-hmm. and uh, that just puts like more pressure onto my system that you actually want to fall asleep and whenever you you know hit the pillow then it's it's much more easier to do so but when i would like on some on some days like every every once in a while i may have like uh, some restless nights where i'll just you know toss around for no reason and uh, don't know why 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 i won't fall asleep but uh, usually it may have to do with uh, like drinking caffeine too late in the day or uh, just maybe exercising too late in the day as well so uh, those would be some of the things that i would uh, pay more attention to but some maybe some literal hacks to fall asleep is uh, i've seen that cold cold temperature is very useful for that because it really puts you into this uh, parasympathetic state and uh, also like lowers your core temperature which which is one of the one of the additional signals that is uh, needed for your yeah. body to go into deep, deep sleep like to go to go into deep sleep, your body, your core temperature needs to fall like a few degrees. So uh, if you are like really hot and uh, sweating in the bed, then uh, it's it's somewhat uh, more. Uh, it's gonna take a long longer time to fall asleep, and definitely you will uh, wake up more often. So uh, I I usually use like a fan in in my bedroom, and I also have the like the chili pad, where the, underneath the mattress mattress is the um, cold water running, and mm. that's just automatically going to lower. The entire uh, temperature yeah. of the bed. So those yeah. those those things are uh, pretty damn effective. I actually uh, I put I get completely naked and then I put socks on. And, <laughs> and that actually super lowered, hack that socks where? on where <laughs> <laughs> you're doing that red hot chili peppers. <laughs> that actually lowers your core temperature when you when you heat your peripheries. Yeah, your core temperature drops. And I I also like the rebound effect of going to a sauna. So uh, not right before going to sleep, but a little bit earlier it has shown to improve the uh, sleep quality. There is actually one question that I want to pick from the Instagram. Uh, Frank Green is asking, how does one meditate when going through extreme grief? Uh, um, Is there a good mantra to help with concentration? Now, I want to give some of my my techniques that I do. Yeah, I definitely go for a sauna and then try to meditate if if I'm super stimulated. Um, I really like also some guided meditations on uh, Spotify, like 
uh, search for Sadhguru, S-A-D-H, Guru, Sadhguru is pretty good. Um, there's a specific track that I find myself going back again and again, often in the evening. It's kind of my trigger uh, thing in the evening just for relaxation. It is a song by Alio Dai, D-I-E. I let you die. A-L-I-O-D-I-E. And the name of the song is In the Labyrinth Garden. And it's so meditative uh, thing on its own that it, it it really, really helps me in the evening just like just drift away. Do you guys have some, some of your favorites? Yeah. Um, for years, well, I yeah, there's these stacks and combinations. I've been using this Swedish spike mat for about 11 or 12 years. I still have the same mat. So it, it basically has, has these long spikes. It's kind of a more uh, into this traditional Indian spike mat. But the thing is that it's it's helping to release endorphins and oxytocin and just, you know, putting me into a really feel-good spa- uh, space. But I've been using binaural beats and different kind of uh, waves and noises and natural sounds for over 10 years also. So what I use at the moment is the Sleepstream 2 app, and I pick the, I like the Atlantic Ocean uh, on, on the natural sound and then deep sleep on the binaural sound. So that's that's basically always what I do before going to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so that's in in the sound sense. I might listen to some kind of uh, like a music that's not r- really stimulating me, and and, and there have been studies on on these yoga musics and and these soundscapes that actually help to uh, fall asleep. And there's even like a composed special sleep track that I revised in in the deep sleep article. That I actually tested and it, it was really good. So the link is also in the article, and that that was like a special song made for inducting you into sleep. <laughs> and it was uh, there was this uh, small scientific study on on that uh, song. So mm-hmm. music definitely is is, is uh, might be really helpful or might be really disturbing also. There, there is a a pretty good playlist on Spotify called Most Relaxing Songs Ever. And uh, I remember that Marconi Union, uh, the song called "Weightless," is actually one of one of the songs that have been chosen by scientists as yeah. being one of the one of the most relaxing songs out so there. Search for "Weightless." <laughs> weightless, yeah, mm-hmm. not "Faithless," even though that's good yeah, too. That's pretty good. So, how about seeing? Like, can't get no sleep. I definitely don't need any. <laughs> After I would, I would, I would use hacking. a. I would sometimes use like uh, these uh, yoga nidra soundtracks where it's basically like guided self-hypnosis and guided mm. meditation. And uh, I've used them for like power naps. They they usually last for like 20 minutes or something. And uh, it's it's a perfect time for getting like a power nap. And yeah. you're, you're not really falling asleep because you're doing this body scan and paying attention to your different uh, like regions of the body, but it does help you to relax and you, def- you, you can definitely fall asleep doing that if you're like really tired and really in this you know stressed out state. So yeah, I, I, even like falling on the uh, acupuncture mattress while doing that—that's like a good, good snack. And uh, yeah. you know, that's 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 something that teaches you to kind of start paying more attention to guiding your uh, attention and uh, focus. Right. So. Um... With that, I mean, thank you very much for joining. You can also get the cool biohackers 
blue light blockers to help you with sleep from um, from store.biohackingbook.com. So biohackingbook.com, you can get these cool glasses also. Now, um, one thing that I want to mention is that we are all speaking at the Biker Summit, 1st and 2nd of November. You can use the code HEALTH. So the code HEALTH, uh, and you get 50 euros off of your ticket price, a regular ticket price. You basically get it at the early bird price. Uh, we have now the afternoon ticket, uh, afternoon bird. Um, so if you ever kind of considered perhaps going to a cool biohacking conference and hang around with some cool biohackers, uh, or maybe you wanted to learn more about all these things and meet like-minded people, yeah, I mean, Biohacker Summit, 1st and 2nd of November in Helsinki, Finland, is, is the place to go. Use the code HEALTH and you will be extremely healthy. And Thank this you is very the, much. This is the yeah. event that has the most fun and most heart and most like uh, com- community. It's because uh, every time we have arranged this, people are so like, the, the feedback is so heartwarming and they feel like empowered. They feel like they're part of something. They feel connected. They they are just, uh, you know, it, it's it's been like uh, not just another like yeah, uh, conference, uh, conference but it's it's just much more than that's yeah. experience yeah it's, it's an experience and somehow like that's that's one of one of the biggest reasons why we have the stamina of doing it year after year yeah around eight nine times and this is our fifth year so yeah hope to see you there it's our anniversary so check out bikersummit.com with that guys let's have a Pretty awesome weekend with sunshine, perhaps some sauna, cold baths, like jumping on a trampoline, doing coffee enemas, whatever you <laughs> want to get yourself into. Simultaneously. Eating kiwis <laughs> while you do all of this. Uh, so thank you very much for joining. Cheers. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you.